This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Yeah, so this morning, what we really want to do with you guys is uh, we're going to talk about four different things, specifically how God has changed Pastor Bill and my life, um, what God has done in our life for transformation. Look, we believe that the church is the one place that shouldn't be canceling people, but rather should be transforming people. So we're going to talk to you a little bit about our failures, about our struggles, and about how God has led us through those, um, and how God has changed our lives, and what that looks like for us. And so really, we're going to hit four categories, hopefully, um, and that is uh, in our marriage, um, with parenting, uh, friendships, and with leadership. So what has God done in our lives? And uh, I just want you to know, man, this is saturated. One, we know this to be true for our lives, uh, God's word and what God did for us. Without what God did for us, who lived the life we couldn't live, died the death we deserved, and raised from the dead so that we could too. Without that, Pastor Bill and I both would not be who we are, nor do I think we would be doing what we do. There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very except, confident. Except for the big money we make. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> yes. Um, and but, the mul- multiple summer homes and yes. Yeah. I want to go to your summer home because I don't know what you're talking about. It's actually a small shack. <laughs> it's small yeah, shack. Yeah, it is yeah. my home. Um, so, uh, Pastor Bill, we're going to start with you. How has God cha- changed your marriage? And we're starting with you because you've had so many more years I, in marriage. I know. Yeah. 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 48 now? No. Yeah. So, praise the Lord, we have been married, Michelle and I have been married 26 years. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah, as, as, as two of my children are sitting in the front row, they would tell you that she's the one that deserves the claps because she's put up with me for 26 years. Do you want to go ahead and have them come up and share yeah, about right, your struggles? Right. Yeah, I will have them come up and talk about parenting, how, how, <laughs> I, how I failed. Um, so, uh, I gave my life to Christ when I was seven years old. Uh, things went well till I hit high school, college years, and uh, just a lot of extracurricular activities and some hurt and pain in my life. And uh, walked, we'll say I walked away from the Lord, and praise the Lord, He drew me back as only He could. Um, so when my when Michelle and I were first married, I probably had um, maybe thoughts of what it should be. I, I thought my marriage was supposed to be me centered, not Christ centered. <laughs> that didn't work so well. Um, I tell people often I'm the most selfish person you'll ever meet. Um, so, but uh, praise the Lord, uh, Christ continues to work on me in that. So, um, but here's what really hit me. Um, I, don't, I don't know, a few years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, something, something like that. Um, I started to realize that uh, I was one, not leading my wife biblically, the way scripture was telling me to, I realized that I had not fully um, allowed Christ to be leading the, the way he should and all those things. And what really hit home to me were two major passages. One, Ephesians 5 talks about how men, we are called to love our wives as Christ loves the church. I get chills just even saying it out loud. What it means is, I always tell men, so what did Christ do? He died on the cross for you. Hmm. So we're supposed to do the same thing for our wives. Well, that can be painful, right? 
which means it cannot be me-centered. It has to be Christ-centered. Um, and two, one of the passages that I use in almost every marriage wedding that I do is out of Philippians 2. Um, and that is specifically in verse 3. Well, well the passage in general, the, the first 11 verses often are referred to as the humility of Christ. What does it look like? What does Jesus look like? What does it look like that he did? Well, in verse 3, Paul tells the church at Philippi, he says, you must consider others better than yourselves. You must consider people better than yourself. And I went, wow, I guess I probably should view my wife the same way. Um, so those two passages, when they, when they started to stir around in my head and only as the Holy Spirit can do, transforming me year after year after year, I would hope if my wife were here, she would tell you that I am less self-centered than I was when she first met me. And I really believe wholeheartedly that is the work of what Christ is doing in and through me in my life. So. Yeah, you're not perfect. No. Um, well, I, I work with you. That, that's true. Thank um, you very much. And again, three of my children, four of my children, actually all four of my children are here right now. They could tell you how I'm not Yeah, perfect. yeah, yeah. Yes. But you're, in the, you're on the journey. On a journey. And that's, what we're, that's what all we're asking. Look, we understand your marriage isn't perfect. Your friendships aren't perfect. All these different things aren't perfect. We're just asking you to journey with us. Um, I think it's critical that as your pastors, we help you to understand that we don't think we're perfect and we don't think we're at the end of the journey. Amen. We believe we're part of that process, um, but we're showing you a little bit of behind the scenes of what that looks like for us. For instance, for me, in my marriage, what it looks like to be Christ-centered. Um, in 2020, uh, during the middle of the pandemic, uh, actually right when it started was when my, my uh, Brecken, who was just in here, turned one month old. So we had a newborn, uh, the pandemic hit. I was leading the church uh, right at the beginning of uh, my leadership here at the church, uh, trying to figure that out. I was finishing my doctorate and I was diagnosed with Lyme's disease. Now Lyme's disease affects different people differently, but for me, how it affected me was cognitively. So my emotional state, my mental state, uh, my ability to retain uh, memory and, 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 and those different things, clouded in mind, uh, uh, tired and all these different things. Uh, and then physically how it affected my body. I remember days uh, curled up in a ball from pain on the ground. I remember days thinking I was gonna die. Um, I, I remember going to the hospital emergency room, my intern taking me. I remember all these different this time, these times through this journey, uh, battling Lyme's disease and trying to figure out how to battle Lyme's disease. Uh, I remember making the decision to become vegan, uh, and uh, the scrutiny that came with that, but also the pain for me because I like to smoke meat. Smokes a lot of meats. I do. I still do, but I don't get to eat it. Uh, so if you'd like some meat, I'd love to smoke some meat for you. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I. I remember those painful days, those moments, but what I did not know, I probably knew it to a little bit, but not to the full extent of what was happening, was how much it changed me uh, as a husband, um, probably as a dad too, if I'm being honest. Um, but just the way that I related to my wife and I treated my wife, look, she knew me for eight years. Um, we've known each other since we were born. Um, five days old, we have pictures together, right? She knows who I am. Uh, she knew what was going on. And during that season, uh, I can tell you that my wife sacrificed day after day, praying for me, loving me, walking with me through the most difficult season of my life. 
She cared for me. She embodied what she promised she would do in her vows. And y'all, here's the thing. There's a word in Hebrew. It's chesed. It means covenant faithful love. It's uh, found in the Old Testament throughout. And what it's talking about is God's faithful love, his covenant faithful love towards us. That is that he loves us and is committed to love us with a love that cannot be broken. My wife displayed God's love to me. And brothers and sisters, marriage is a commitment, a covenant to one another to love each other through the most difficult seasons of life. And my wife showed me how to do that. So I'm, I'm basically here to tell you, Pastor Bill, and tell, tell the church as I have the other two services. I don't know this is more about me and the transformation that I've seen or how my wife has helped me to transform, to be able to see what authentic, true, covenant, faithful love looks like. She has shown me God by the way that she has loved me. And, and y'all, marriage is to be a display of the gospel. It's to be a display to this world of what love looks like. And she showed me. And so what I tell you is, I'd walk with her through anything. She showed me how to walk through my deepest moments. I walk with her through hers. That's covenant, faithful love. You have committed to your spouse. And for those who are not married yet, or those who have chosen singleness throughout your life, think about this for those who are not married yet. Find someone, date them, and engage to a person who you are willing to go through hell on earth. You're willing to go through whatever hell could bring to you in your life. Because Satan is always trying to bring hell to you. He's always trying to make you face hell. And in the midst of my season of Satan bringing hell to my life, my wife stood with me. And y'all, she pictured the gospel. So I'd tell you the same thing. Pastor Bill and I didn't plan what we were going to say. We were just going to ask each other questions. But we have the same advice for you. If you're married or if you're thinking about marriage or wherever you are, just remember this. Humility. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves like Christ to be able to say, whatever you need, whatever is good for you, I'm going to provide for the rest of my life. And, and I understand we are not always lovable, correct? Yeah. It's not just our spouse that's not lovable. We're the ones that are unlovable. Yeah. So there has to be a humility of how can I, I've, I've always used this phrase, how can I love the unlovable? Yeah, and so marriage, loving the unlovable, what, what about friendship for you? How has Christ transformed your life with friendship? Yeah, so um, one thing Matt and I both have in common, and we, we realized this maybe even the interview process when you guys were interviewing me, was we realized that we had um, similar stories from the standpoint of uh, didn't really have the best friendships growing up. Now, let me make it clear. Hopefully some of my buddies are actually watching this. Um, I have the same three friends that I've roughly had since I was six years old. Uh, I love those uh, men dearly. We've been in each other's weddings, but at times, and I think they would agree, we didn't always have each other's best interests at hand. And um, two of my buddies are unsaved. Um, they're wonderful guys. They, they have been by my side for many things, but uh, not always the same perspective that I have on, on how to do life and parenting and so forth. So one of the things that's happened over the years in, for relationships with me is, one, I've realized how I really need 
uh, I love the phrase band of brothers around me that are willing to call me out when I'm sinning, that are able to give me good direction when I'm sinning, and also love me when I'm sinning. Um, And that means that they are Christ-centered, they're in Scripture, and, and, um, you know, praying and those things too, which is really important. Um, But I also, the other part, and I want to read you this verse real quick, because I think it's so important. Because I think it plays into, look, I, I... Again, I say this all the time. I don't know what you all are walking in with. I don't know what's going on in your lives. I don't know what your friendship's like. I don't know any of that. But if you want to have Christ-centered relationships, listen to this verse. 1 Thessalonians 2.8. So this is Paul uh, telling the church at uh, Thessalonica. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel. So not only the gospel were they sharing but also our own lives because you would become dear to us. Folks, if you want to have Christ-centered relationships, you have got to be the one that is vulnerable and open with others if you want the same of them. So for instance, look at your marriage. Men, we are often accused of, and rightfully so, of we don't share our emotions and the things that we're thinking. And a lot of times our brides do. Well, if you want to have a marriage that's open and vulnerable, you both have to be shared. You've both got to share those emotions. Even if you say, honey, I'm in a bad headspace today, and I have no clue why. Okay? But being open and vulnerable, hence why one of the things that we wanted to do for you all was do this for you. For you all to understand we're doing the same walk that you all are doing. So if you want to have great relationship, Christ-centered relationship, one of the ways to have that happen is with vulnerability and, and being authentic with each other. Hence, Matt, I think that's what we do with each other. I think we've done yeah. it really since the day we met. Yeah. Um, we're awfully silly together, too. If the staff were in here, Casey could tell you, we get, it gets pretty silly between him and I, but it also gets pretty daggone serious, too. So. Yeah, and so the way that practically looks for like for me in my life is um, I, I never had... I would say I never had Christ-centered friendships uh, until 25, 27, when I started to get like, man, I just desired them. Like, I thirsted for them. I had bits, that's not fair, I had bits and pieces in seminary and college and such, um, but not the ones that were long-term, because seminary is short. You know, I got a year here, a year there, or whatever, like that. Um, But I never had those Christ-centered relationships around me. And I want to share with you a text message I had this week uh, with one of my best friends. He was in the previous service. Um, His name's Carson. He's one of my best friends. And um, we're in D group together. And he said something to me, and I I responded to him, and I said, man, I'm going to give you full permission to share whatever you want to share and 100% all the time trust that whatever you are telling me is for, for good. It's for the good of my heart. Look, if you find the right friends, Christ-centered friends who are good for you, those ones who are saturated in God's Word, who are praying daily, and who are pursuing after God and the Holy Spirit in their life, and who have a, can, had a consistent wisdom uh, and, and good wisdom for your life, when you find that group of people, give them full permission to speak into your life and trust that it is for your good. Because nobody in here sees your blind spots like they do. Your, your spouse sees your blind spots and your friends see your blind spots. 
find people and put them around you, directly around you in that closest circle, put them in that circle and tell them, I'm giving you full permission to share with me whatever you think I need to hear because I trust that what you have for me is good. And if the people you have around you, you can't say that to, you've got to find people and put them in that group that you can. And if that group can't become that, lead them, guide them into that, or find another group that you're going to put in that closest inner circle. It's difficult in life because it's hard to find those people, but it's beneficial for your life because of this passage. And you've heard it before, iron sharpens iron. Look, if iron is not used to sharpen iron, it's useless. It's worthless. It's not being used for anything. If it's just thrown out and not being used, it's worthless. You are the iron that God's talking about. If you're not sharpening other brothers and sisters in Christ, you're not being used to do what God's called you to do. And the Holy Spirit is clear in the, in the New Testament. God transforms you through community with the church and through community with Him. Because brothers and sisters challenge us, and the Holy Spirit enables us to live according to what God call, has called us to do. If you're not walking with the Holy Spirit and walking in deep community with brothers that you trust fully or sisters that you trust fully, then you're not going to see transformation in your life. And for me in my life, that looked like putting these guys around me and showing my heart to them and putting things on display that I didn't want to put on display and being honest and vulnerable with them, things that I don't want to do and didn't ever do and still don't really want to do, but I trust these guys. I trust them deeply. I mean, I, I could give you an example specifically with Pastor Bill here with me. We both would share with you. I mean, you can share if you want. I'd share with you about this. When, when Pastor Bill came here, he was um, a businessman. Not was, anything negative on businessmen. No, I was. But you were a businessman. I was director of sales training for performance food service. I had 77 sales reps, 12 district managers, and I had a half a billion dollar budget. So he started here, and I was like, Brother, you ain't got half a billion, first of all. <laughs> uh, but also, coming from a business world, he had a very different style of leadership than, than we use in the, in the church. And so there was a, a constant process of me challenging him, and it still happens yeah, today. He's like, I'll give you one. He said to me when I first came here, I had a little bit of an issue with one of my volunteers, and he said, Don't fire, you can't fire your volunteers. <laughs> and I was like, no, wait a second. Where I come from, if we were paying you, he goes, it's different, brother. Volunteer. You, you with me? Like, it was just a different type of leadership. I had a Christ-centered leadership in the performance world. It just didn't come out often because it was not a Christ-centered world. Yeah, and you had to operate as a right, boss in right, a different capacity right, very than different. we have, right? And, and, and leading volunteers is different because leadership development is different. Oh, absolutely, so, completely. Yeah. So, and look, we flesh these out. We've talked about these all the time. Um, I hope that I'm sharpening you and making you better oh, in that category. Thank the Lord. And the, but likewise, I am a people pleaser. Um, I, I like to confront people as long as I believe uh, it will be good for us both, and they will be happy as they walk away, So, which is not often. It does not happen often that way. So um, Pastor Bill coming to the church, there's, uh, there have been many times where he has said, Matt, this is what is right. Why would you not do it? And once he said that, like, what can I do? I have to do it, or I'm not a man of integrity. Uh, I'm not doing what is right in God's eyes. So he'll call me on those things. And, and, I, and my natural response is what? Well, I don't want to do it because I know it's going to hurt somebody. Remember, in friendships and in marriage and in life in general, it's not going through pain that is the worst part. 
It's not seeing transformation that is the worst part. Look, a lot of times in your life, you're going to have to go through pain to see transformation. Christ embodied this on the cross. He was willing to go to the cross and suffer and die so that we might have life. It's the ultimate transformation for us because Jesus was willing to sacrifice his life for us. I went through pain in my life, nothing compared to Jesus. I'm going to go through pain today, nothing compared to Jesus. Bill, you're going to go through pain all the time in your life. And there's going to be times where, honestly, just putting it out there, I'm going to hurt him. Maybe because of your own emotional struggles, or maybe because I said something wrong, or maybe just because, because of the reality. Reality sometimes hurts. And I'm uncomfortable with that. Is anybody else just uncomfortable right now? I'm uncomfortable with the fact that sometimes reality hurts, and reality is uncomfortable. But unless we face it, unless we're authentic and vulnerable, and face the reality of what we, who we are and what we do and where it's wrong, then we're never going to see transformation in our lives. So sometimes I have to talk about difficult things with Pastor Bill. Sometimes he talks about difficult things with me. But he has taught me, and I can tell you with honesty, he has taught me how to do what is right not what feels good. So Pastor, uh, Pastor uh, Matt Chandler, I was at a conference one time, and he, he was on the stage sharing vulnerably something he had wrestled with, and he told, he told the crowd this, and I'll never forget this. When you lie your head down on a pillow at night, know that you did what was right. That's it. That's all that matters. Know that what you did that day was right. Even if it brought about pain in your life or in others, no matter what it is, do what is right. And I think that's why Christ went to the cross. He did what he had to do and what was right, even when he knew it was going to hurt. And that's what friendship is sometimes, man. Friendship is trusting that even if we, we, we say painful things that hurt, that are true, that we know that it is for our good. So that's how I've been changed. You have been part of that transformation, and so have other brothers in this church as well. So uh, skipping for me because I don't like talking about myself in, anymore. Uh, what um, are we on time? No, yeah, we're good. Let's. I think we got a few minutes left. I say we talked a little bit about parenting. Yeah, let's do it. Does that work? Yeah. How's Christ changed changed your parenting, Carly and Molly? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I have four kids. Will is uh, up in the booth, I think, 23. Uh, Jake's 21. Molly just is getting ready to turn 18 in, uh, what, four days? Yeah? Yeah? Carly, Carly's 15. Um, and I would tell you I'm a better parent than I was when Will was born, and I continue to grow. So let me, let me read this for you, because I think this is a huge, huge piece. There are two major things that I want to kind of drive home for my, especially my young parents in the room. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. So just stop there. That's good, right? Repeat them to your children. But here's what, here's what the writer goes on to say. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. What he's saying is, you are to do this all the time. And I mean, I really could get preachy on this because this is something I did not really realize when I was a new parent. I thought, okay, I'm going to do a Bible study with my kids Wednesday and Friday nights for an hour. I'm going to teach them the scripture and they're going to be great. And then I started to realize, 
actually where they're going to grow is when I'm doing life with them. So when Molly and Carly and I are out messing around, like uh, we've gone shopping together, we've gone to lot, those kind of things, we talk about life. That's what's important. That's how you see kids grow. It's not just going, here's, here's John, read through it, come back and give me a dissertation on it. That's not going to work. Specifically, it's saying when you sit down, when you lie down, when you do these things, when you do it all the time. And the other thing I want you to realize is you, mom and dad, are on a sanctification journey. Christ is changing you every day. Your children are on the same journey in their walk. We are a part of kind of being the bumpers, the guardrails, like when you go bowling. That's what our job is as parents, is to help keep them on that sanctification journey. Um, I, I don't know if I, Matt, truthfully, I don't think I understood that when Will was born, even when Jake was born. And then Molly came around, I was like, you know what? This one's different. She's a girl. I, got, I can't bang her head together like coconuts like I did with the boys, right? And then Carly came, and I was like, wow, this is just really different. But Scripture's clear. I did this with all four of them, and that's, that's really how my parenting really honestly changed. Yeah, and I, I've said this often, and, you know, some people will say, well, you know, kids should always be in worship services with their parents, I'm not necessarily against that. We don't necessarily do that here. But what I would tell you this is, if the only time your kids see you worship is on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you're not parenting right. you got to be careful there. I hear it so many times. Kids have to see their parents worship. And I'm like, they ought to see you worshiping at home home and at work and with your friends and with your spouse. And if the worship between you and your wife or you and your husband doesn't look like what Christ would call us to do in worship, your kids aren't going to model worship in their life. They'll just come to church and worship, and they go home and live however they want. But I just, man, you just spurred my mind into that. No, no, no. It's good. The two things I've learned in Christ-centered parenting, um, I have a two-year-old and a six-year-old now, and, um, man, trust. I've shared this a little bit with the church before. For those of you who are in here and, and, and don't know, I struggle with trusting that my kids are going to be okay. Anybody else just like want to hold your kids like right here and never let them go? And I mean, you have a, some of you have adult children. You still, you don't want to let them go, right? I'm with you. Like, I don't ever want to let my daughter go. And part of it is I don't want to let her into a world full of wolves. Part of it is I don't want to let her physically get hurt. I want to protect her with everything that I have and never let her out of my sight. So what I've had to learn with Christ is how to let him be the one who's got control over his daughter. Amen. And man, I, I'm still struggling with that. Ooh. Every day I have to pray, God, she's in your hands because she's going to walk out of my door when she's 16 years old, just like she walks out of my door in the mornings and goes to school, and she's out of my hands. And Matt, the, the, the thing that we have oh. to remember, these two girls are God's children first, then mine. Stop it. <laughs> it's true. And I want to be in control. I want to be in control. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm going to be real with you. The way that looks like for me in my life, just being honest, and this one's hard, it's hard to admit, but I, I hope it's maybe helps you in some way because it's just what I wrestle with. 
I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for 15 years since I was 17 years old. I've made, I've made my own mistakes through that journey, and I've grown. Leadership mistakes that you probably see all the time. Um, I'm not a perfect man. Um, I never will be until Christ comes back, and I can't wait for that moment. Um, but I have, so I don't want to take myself out of this. I'm part of the problem of the church. But I've seen churches hurt. I've seen them break. I've seen them divide. I've seen pastors hurt people. I've, I've been hurt by pastors. I've seen pastors fall. I've shared with you that before. I've seen the, 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 the hell and the pain of this world creep into the church. And I've, I've, I've experienced it in my own life. And I'm going to be 100% honest with you. There's been many times in my life where I did not want that for my kids. Look, this is my world. I don't know what your world looks like. Maybe you just say, look, I'm in the business world. I don't want my kids to be a businessman because I've seen what it does to people. You may say, I'm a teacher. I don't want my daughter to be a teacher or my son to be a teacher because I see what the school is headed towards. I, whatever it is for you, I'm a pastor. I know what the church is capable of. It's part of why I probably work so hard to create a loving church and want a loving church because I want my kids to be so loved and cared for in the church that they'll love and care for the church. And I want a place that my kids can grow up in and not be hurt like I was. I want to be a pastor that doesn't hurt other pastors like I've been hurt. And I, I, just being raw, sometimes I want to protect my kids from the church. But rather than that, what we ought to say is, look, the church is imperfect, but if I'm part of the journey, if I'm on the journey too, maybe we can create a healthy church. Maybe we can have a church that loves the Lord and loves each other. Maybe we can forgive each other when we wrong rather than hating each other and turning our backs and never talking again. Maybe we can create a church that's built on the same forgiveness that Christ is built on. And maybe in Christ's grace, in the goodness of God, he'll enable me to release some of my control of my kids and let them go through their own journey. Because here is Pastor Bill. This is harder than me going through suffering watching my kids go through suffering. But my kids need to experience pain and suffering and heartache and failure because if they don't, they will never rise up. They will never overcome and they'll never learn how to prevail. And really the prayer is this, parents. God, give my children the strength to overcome. It's the same prayer I need to have for my life. Because your children are going to face suffering and pain. But it's the joy of the Lord and the strength of the Lord that is going to help them overcome. It's a different prayer than God, protect my kids from pain. It's God, keep my kids through the pain. God, give them joy in the middle of the pain. Mm. And God, help them overcome the suffering. So I, I'm just being real and honest with you from a pastor's ramblings. That's my struggle. It's, it's, it's one that, Bill, here's what I know. We face momentary light afflictions in this world in preparation for the eternal weight of glory that Jesus Christ has secured for us. If there is only hope in this world for my children, then I ought to protect them from every suffering and pain in this world. But if there is a hope after this life that God has perfection and no tears and no pain for my children, then there's nothing else that I want more than for my kids to come to Christ and to His church. 
So my prayer is not for my kids to stay away from the church. I'm not trying to protect them from Christ when I have my mind set on things above. But when I set my mind on the things of this world, all I want to do is protect them from the world and from the pain in the church. So will you join me in being a dad and being a brother and sister, being a wife or a husband, and not praying just that we'd be pulled away from pain and suffering, but that God would give us joy and strength mm. to endure. So that's, man, that's, my, that's what I have learned and am learning still. So let me give one more piece, and I think we're going to do communion then. Yeah. I think, yeah. So, um, so especially young parents, listen to what I'm saying. Um, I stole this from Russell Moore. This is not mine, but it's on the money. The greatest crisis is not that your child grows up to be a sinner. The greatest crisis is that your child grows up not to know who Jesus Christ is. Let me say it again. The greatest crisis is not that your kid's a bad kid or a good kid. It's It's that they know Jesus Christ and walk with him daily. Yeah, and the biggest reason for that, Bill, is because you can teach your kids to say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, yep. ma'am, no, ma'am. You can teach them to do what is right while they're in your house. But when they walk out the door and they get to make their own decisions, it's not going to be what you've forced them to do. It's going to be what their heart is forcing them to do. It's going to be what their stomachs and their, their hands and, and every part of their physical body is causing them to desire in this world. If we want to see transformation in our kids' lives, it's not going to be because we make them robots. It's because they're going to have a heart change. And look, Bill, you know this about me, your wife, and everybody else. Transformation in your life will not happen because someone else forces it in you. If you want to see your spouse change or a friend change or your kids change, you can't change them. Keep trying, and it's going to drive you crazy. Have you ever thought, if only my spouse could just change? (laughs) I bet my wife's thought that about me. (laughs) Have you ever thought that? I mean, come on, let's be real and raw. Oh, you're beside your spouse. You probably don't need to say it right now. (laughs) Uh, I don't think my wife is in here. Um, But anyways, uh, if you've you've ever thought that, just remember, my father-in-law told me this. You cannot change your spouse. Only God can. And you cannot change your kids. Only God can. And Bill, I I hope that you guys have heard this. We don't believe that we've changed our lives. We believe, this is why we say this, this is Christ-centered. Christ has changed our lives. I'm not the same person I was as a teenager. If I was, I could not be your pastor. Yep. God has changed my life and ripped me out of what I was in because Jesus Christ lived the life I could not live, died the death I should have died, and raised from the dead so that I might have life. We believe this to be true, and I hope you do too, because it will change your life. It'll change your parenting. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your leadership. It'll change your friendships forever because Jesus Christ is the only one who can save and the only one who can transform. So I hope you believe this. If you don't believe this, I'd love to talk to you. Man, I'm going to be right over here. First, we're going to take communion together. If you, if you didn't get um, communion as you walked in, um, Steve's in the back. Just raise your hand. He'll bring it to you. Look, here's what communion is. Communion is, Steve, we got a couple up here. Communion is um, us declaring as a church we are one body and declaring we believe in Jesus Christ. It, it, it's, it's because um, when Paul says uh, uh, in 1 Corinthians 
that we ought to confess our sins to one another um, before communion if we have anything against one another. It's because when we take this communion, we should be united together. We have to have unity in this room to be able to say as one body, we believe in Jesus. And that's what Paul says. He says, every single time we take the Lord's Supper, we're declaring that Jesus Christ raised from the dead and that he gave his life for us. Through the body and the blood, we have freedom and forgiveness. We're declaring the gospel. So as one body in here together, we are united to declare that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and he is the God of this universe. And we believe that he is personally our Savior. And we have a relationship with him, not through your pastors, we are imperfect, but through the Son of God, Jesus Christ, you have a relationship with the Father. And if you've never believed in Jesus, I want to challenge you this morning to think about this. Have you been fighting with an addiction? Have you been fighting with a struggle in your life? Have you been fighting in your marriage? Have you been fighting in your, in your friendships? If you have, I'd give you this passage, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. If you've never said, God, I don't have the strength to do this. I cannot overcome. I cannot become who my wife wants me to be or my husband wants me to be. I can't become who my friends tell me I need to be. I cannot break this addiction. I cannot break this emotional struggle. God, I can't do it. If you've, if you've never been there, I'd, I'd ask you to consider coming before the Lord and saying, God, I can't do it anymore, and I need you to help me. And if you've never done this, please consider Pastor Bill and myself are broken individuals who've been put back together by the grace of God. And I'm not going to stand here and act like I'm not something that God has worked on. I'm going to give him the glory for that. But I will stand here and tell you this. I'm still in progress. My wife could tell you that. I'm still in progress. And here's what I'm asking you to do. Join me on the journey. Join me on the journey of following after Christ and letting him transform you. I'm going to pray for you. If you have any questions, I'll be here. I'd love to talk to you. God, your mercy is good. Your grace is good. You are the one who transforms. You are the one who forgives. You are the one who has changed our lives. And God, we give you the glory for it. God, for all of our mistakes, for all of our frustrations, for all of our issues that you have saved us from, God, thank you. But as we move forward, God, would you help us in our parenting, in our marriage, in our friendships, in our singleness, and in our leadership, God, would you help us, grow us, shape us. God, iron sharpens iron. Would you change me and challenge me? Would you use my wife to expose my blind spots and help me grow? And Father, as you do it, will you give me the joy and the strength to push through every suffering and every battle and every temptation. God, would you help me? Father, we love you and praise you in your son's name. Amen. During this worship song, you have the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper. Um, there's the body represented through the bread and the blood represented through the juices. God's freedom and forgiveness for our life. Jesus would tell you to do this in remembrance of him. If you believe in Jesus, we're asking you at any point during this song to take of the Lord's Supper. You can grab your family and, and do that together. You can do it alone where you are, but we are declaring as one body in this room, we believe in Jesus Christ. If you've never been baptized before, please, man, I'd love to baptize you.
because it is the one, it's a one moment where you say to the church, I believe in Jesus, I'm a, I'm a son or daughter of the King. And then the Lord's Supper is an ongoing declaration that we believe. So if you've never believed in Jesus, I'd love to talk to you. If you have believed in Jesus, we welcome you. Take the Lord's Supper and declare with us, Jesus is our Savior and our King. Thanks for being here. Let's worship.
Amen, church. Well, thank you again. Hey, remember, you're sitting in the midst of darkness to light it up. Hey, if you're a parent here uh, who came to VBS, thank you so much for trusting us with your children. Uh, we pray that they had an awesome time, but also that they were drawn nearer to Jesus Christ during this week. Um, and your kids were amazing. We really had a wonderful time. Thank you for the leaders uh, who were part- participating in it, too. It was an unbelievable week, and uh, just super thankful for everybody who was involved, including the children. Parents, if you were here and have never been here before, and you're like, where's the kids ministry at you just go outside take a left and you're going to go down straight down the stairs and it's straight ahead in front of you there will be a safety team and kids ministry workers to meet you there and greet you in there so thank you again for bringing your kids to vbs i pray they were drawn near to the lord thanks again to pastor bill we'll see you next week run in that darkness and light it up church you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.